Ahoy, motherfuckers. Welcome to Hindsight. I'm Derek, and as always, I'm joined by my right hand, the best co-host in the business. Adjective, I mean, I'm, I'm joined by Brandon, my ace boon, and, and, and uh, one of the best hosts in the business. Uh, and we're also joined today by Adjective J, uh, one yep. of the hosts of Frown Town Podcast, um, yep. and one of the hosts of the legendary Dream Team Podcast. Um, <laughs> Are we legends? I didn't know. Fuck you, bro. <laughs> I didn't know we were legends. No, I, I thought you had to be dead to be a legend. Quit trying to bury me before my time, nigga. No, I'm, a, I'm alive. Be... I'm 38. I'm alive. This nigga's dead. Not me. I'm not old yet. If you have to be, a, if you have to be dead to be a legend, then I don't understand because Zelda never died, and they keep making games about her. But I feel like that was like she had died by the time we played the game. It was like in a, it was in a land far, far away at a time long, long ago. Like she's already been dead. That's why it's a legend. Oh, like the last game will be Zelda dying and it'll just be like she trips up and falls off a cliff. You'd be like, God damn it, Zelda. I did all this work. I fought Ganon twice, twice. <laughs> and you tripped off a goddamn cliff. Fuck you, Zelda. And then it's like end of game. That's the what, end of Zelda's well, legend. Well, that's what the fuck you get for making her run around behind you in fucking high heels. So wait, that's that's Mario. My bad. It is Mario. Um, Tell him something about your show. Um, so Frowntown is uh, is actually a politics podcast. It's something that's a little bit different from something I've done before. Um, it feels like kind of the natural progression out of the Negro majority, if you know me from that. If you don't know me from that, uh, the best way to describe it is we talk about shit that makes you sad. We try to make jokes while we do it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you feel like the world is a fucked up place. And hopefully, we help you find ways to make the world a slightly better place. Um, sometimes we don't have ways to do that. Like our Supreme Court episode, we really didn't have a way to make the world a better place. Like even if you pack the court, you're gonna pack the court with people who are kind of assholes no matter what you do. But I mean, at least you know, <laughs> that was a terrible ad. <laughs> I was gonna say like, where's the where's the intro? Like you didn't even mention V yet. Like what the fuck, bro? Let's uh, try this again. Go ahead and start over. No, no, I'm good. I feel like I did this right. V is on the show. Uh, V's my co-host. He He's dope. I feel like you should have V on your show by himself. And I feel then, like I should, too. Yeah. Um, cause, cause but I, I didn't think, think that he had Saw State property, too. Uh, or, actually, I, and, I, and I know I, I'm, I, I don't I didn't want to go too far outside of anyone's comfort zone and making them watch this next. Oh, no, you didn't. So I think what you need to do is so what I'll do is I'll connect you to because uh, he doesn't have Facebook. He hates Facebook. I'll connect you to. But like what, what y'all need to do is just kind of work out because V has seen some shit movies. We had a conversation about this because um, uh, V has also seen some terrible, terrible God awful movies, though. He's more into horror movies. So I feel like you should hit him up for like like Leprechaun in the Hood, for example. But the problem is, is that he's gonna love that shit. I guarantee you, if he saw like like any of the black horror movies, he, he would be in love with that shit. Because okay, like, so we'll hit him up around movies. the next uh, horrible movie month, which will be in October. Yeah, I feel like you need to hit him up then because like truly, that's that's his shit. Like <laughs> he spends all of his time watching horror movies. Uh, even when he's at work, he's just watching horror movies as well. Oh, it's actually man. like it's disturbing how much he watches horror movies. Right? Like if we were in high school, I'd be like, "Let me be friends with you," <laughs> because I don't trust you. I need to be keep your friends closer. No, wait, your enemies closer. There we go. Yeah, V is V loves horror movies. Okay. Yeah, I'll hit him up. 
for yeah uh, because we, we have a, we have a few that uh we already got lined up uh, as far as horrible movie month and then mm-hmm. um we'll add in a few but that'll be dope i'll hit them up uh probably soon soon so because this is I'll, all I'll recording so now I'm, yeah nigga i don't need you to set us up what the fuck how, how are you gonna how are you gonna hit up v then on fucking twitter what oh that's wait did, did they do y'all follow each other i don't know i'm not you nor am i him that is true i will give you <laughs> i don't keep checks that. on who's following who like like, <laughs> like i just feel like life. you should know that everybody follows me but yes we follow I, one another i mean like yeah, okay. I was so saying I don't I don't keep checks on who follows who. I really don't know. Yeah, no, Dope. we follow right. one another. So I'll hit them up on Twitter uh, and get things set up for that. Doing um, business on the podcast. So um <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I did not mean to I, I did not mean to laugh at that, and I am really mad at myself for doing that. Um, but that might be the last time that I laugh for this entire episode. Um, This (laughs) week, we decided to go ahead and watch 2005's uh, Hustle and Flow. Um, I just want to get this out the way first because um, it it should be said damn near immediately. The word main is said in Hustle and Flow 221 times. It, here's something that Hustle Flow helped me realize that I actually could not put my hand on before. Like I've always like disliked Southern accents in movies and I never could figure out what it was. And this is the first time I realized it's, it's what happens is like when you're Southern, every word you say is Southern, right? And for someone who's Southern, you pick up on like even the words that sound like it, it a little bit like the way someone who might be you know from further up North might say it is a little bit different. And for most Southerners, we pick up on it. Uh, but for people doing Southern accents, they only hear the hardest words. So like Maine, that's all Terrence Howard ever heard when he, anyone did a Southern accent. He was like, oh, so you just say things normal, real quiet, like, and like, don't, don't say all your words. So don't, don't ever use a vowel or consonant correctly. Just uh, 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 Maine, and that's it. That's all you gotta do, say fuck a bunch, and now you're Southern. And I hate that. And it made me realize that's why I hate Southern accents. It's you key on one word or one or two words and say those hard as fucking Southern and said fuck, but then nothing else. I hate Terrence Howard's, I don't want to call it a Southern accent. I hate Terrence Howard's accent. I don't know what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be Southern and it's not supposed to be Memphis because I've been to Memphis and I've met those people. That's not what they sound like. <laughs> no, it's kind of Memphis. It's kind of Memphis. I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of partying. It's 40% Memphis. <laughs> I've done a lot of partying in hood Memphis. Uh, in my day, mm-hmm. when I used to work for the, I used to work for, I used to, back in the day, I used to work for Airtrain when I was like 22 years old. And every mm-hmm. weekend, I would just fly to a different city because mm-hmm. I wanted to see what it was like. And then I used to watch these videos of people like having these wild parties in Memphis. So I was like, you know what? Let me see what that's like as a 22 year old, a 21 year old. And so I used to go down there mm-hmm. around this time. This was like 10 years, this was 2005. So I used to go down like 2006, 2007. Maybe it's because it came out after the movie. I went after the movie, but uh-huh. they absolutely talked like that. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. Uh, so I, I was, uh, I, w- I used to work for FedEx, which is based out of Memphis. So I spent like, uh, like all of my, like my training was in Florida, but like uh, all of my subsequent training was like in Memphis, 
Uh, I had to like drive back and forth to Memphis way more than I care to admit. I had a friend with a girl in Memphis. Um, I I have been in Memphis like like it was my hangout spot when I was in my twenties. Uh, like if you know Memphis, you know Dyers, Bill Street, not Bill Street, yeah, Bill Street, and like. You also know that you don't stay in Memphis as well. Like, you know, <laughs> that you stay in Peabody. But the thing I'll tell you about Memphis is, is like, and about the accent from that area is outside of the main and the amount of fucks that were said in this movie, that was it. In fact, the dude who came up to him with the for, with a, with a little toy piano at the beginning, who was like, fuck with me, DJ, fuck with me. That dude sounded very, very Memphis. And I think it was because he was just pulled from the area but Terrence Howard's accent, it, it was like, it was like you spent a week in Memphis and you were like, all right, you got to sound like them. That's how you end up sounding. Like it's, it's, if I met him and he was like, oh yeah, I'm from Memphis. I'd be like, no, you're not. I just wouldn't believe it. And maybe I'm just being skeptical because I know he's not. I mean, it's hard out there for a pimp. No, it's not. <laughs> and let's talk about that real quick. So, state's property, state's property too. Oh my God, Hustlin' Flow came out in two thousand five. Before we even get started, Brandon, when was the first time? You, no, you know what, Jay? When was the first time you saw Hustlin' Flow, and what were your initial thoughts? Uh, I saw it when it came out in two thousand five. Um, I feel like I saw it in the theater. Um, I was like twenty two, so. Um, outside of the uh, the southern accents, because even at 22, I was like, mm. <laughs> but outside of that, I thought this was like the dopest fucking story of all time. Uh, I was like, yo, I feel seen. <laughs> In retrospect, now having gone back and watched, I was like, no, I don't. I didn't feel seen at all. And it wasn't until later that I found out that like the, the entire story was like written by a white dude. Uh, and that put me in a weirder, a weirder place. But yeah, I was like, yo, this is dope as fuck. I thought it was dope when I first saw it. And, and I'm, I'm going to own that. Um, I don't think it's dope anymore. Brandon? I am. Oh, I saw this movie when it came out. Um, and I love this movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, because, you know, the, the end of the movie always gets me. Because I always forget. I always forget what Ludacris character does. Every time I watch it, I forget what happens at the end. Because I get, I always get, I always get caught up in that, in that conversation he has with him in the in the in the club, and I always get drawn in. And you always and think I, things are going to turn out okay. And I, yeah, I always forget because I don't watch, I, I don't watch this movie that often, but I watch it every few years, and so I always forget. Like, oh fuck, that's what happens, and then it always gets me every time, and so. Um, yeah, I just enjoyed this movie. Terrence Howard was like all in for this movie. Like he completely like <laughs> he was I don't know if he was overacting, but he was he was sold he sold out for this for this role. But the funniest part about this film is how much of a sore thumb Anthony Anderson is in this film. Like he just sticks out like a sore yeah. thumb. Like he does not even belong. But I, I think that's the point of the character that they were trying to do. But it, it worked because he sticks out like a sore fucking thumb. Well, he's supposed to be the one that like went respectable, right? Because like there's this whole scene when he first walks up to his house, he hadn't seen it, where DJs were like, God damn. And they have this whole like, he's standing at the door of his house, DJ is at the threshold and his wife is in the back and he's like trying to like shield her, almost like he's trying to shield her from him. And it's at, I think he's supposed to be like the, you know, like the dude who who made good, who, you know, made it out the hood. 
So us, uh, nigga, he's us. No, <laughs> Anthony Anderson is us. <laughs> so, I don't appreciate that representation, though. His wife is hot. God, I forgot how hot Elise New yeah, is. Oh my! Anthony Anderson can Neal. never marry Elise New. Never on. in a in a thousand years. I I was I was honestly upset. I was like, you made some poor life choices, Elise Neal. How did you get here? You should have been with someone much better than this. Not even that. He's a square. Like he's <laughs> and the, the character is such a square. I'm like, get out of here. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um. So I saw this movie uh, in the theater, and I. Loved it when I saw it initially. Um, I thought the music was hot. I thought that the uh, storyline was good. I thought that uh, no, I thought I thought I, I. Let me be honest. When I first saw this movie, I didn't notice jack shit, but the music, the music um, was dope as fuck. It still is. The music, ludicrous. Um, oh, and Paula Jai Parker. Mm. Uh, fucked no. up my dating life all through my twenties. Um, the fact that his main trick was the skinny white girl from Eight Mile. Um, I think that's about it. I didn't realize that at first. Yeah, the she's skinny. Yeah. Hold yeah. on, which white girl? Are you sure that's her from Eight Mile? Because I feel like that Brittany Murphy was in Eight Mile. Yeah, that's Brittany Murphy was in Eight Mile, but so was Taryn Manning. Who was Taryn? Who Manning the hell in was she in Eight Mile? Okay, <laughs> at the same time. Let Let me go look this up real quick. I mean, I'm pretty sure she was. I feel like she's been in multiple black movies as the token white girl. Janine, what's her name? Janine. Yeah. Eight Mile. Was Janine like his uh his the girl he was with that was crazy? Um, Janine was the one who was uh, always getting on his back. Like she was the she was the mean one, and Brittany Murphy was the nice one. But oh, Janine okay. was the one who was like, "You fucking suck," to be Rabbit and all that kind of stuff. But they were dating. Um, yeah, but yeah. So that movie came out in two thousand two. Uh, Hustling Flow came out in two thousand five. I was like, "That's the girl from Eight Mile," and after that, I couldn't see her as anything but skinny meth girl from Eight Mile, who's now a skinny meth, meth girl trick in Hustling Flow. Um, also, um, did not see this movie in two thousand five the same way I see it now. We're gonna talk about that. Um, Terrence Howard uh, had a lot of great lines in this movie. This movie was. Uh, made for him to get an uh, an Oscar. Um, Anthony Anderson's character, I think he could have gotten Elise Neal. And the reason why is because Elise Neal was a church-going woman who yeah. was... Uh, everybody thinks... I'm a, uh, Elise Neal really reminds me of, of my wife, Nisha. Um, <laughs> and the whole... Everybody thinks I'm a nice person, but I could, I could do this if I need to and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, and the dinners that they had where it was just the two of them sitting at the table and all that, it, it just, it felt like that would be, cause he was producing while well, he was recording music for people in the church. He was recording dispositions and stuff like that. That's somebody that she would have been attracted to somebody who was steady, somebody who was stable, somebody who's able to sell you a dream. And then you know that they'll work towards it. Um, seeing this movie now though. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the synopsis that I have. Like, here's my synopsis of, state of, of Hustle and Flow. Um, Hustle and Flow is a movie 
about a guy who was never shit. Everything he did was a failure. Um, and it's also a movie about Terrence Howard being a guy who wasn't shit and everything he did was a failure. And it's mostly about how women fucking help men become successful. Yeah. It, the thing that stood out to me too when I was watching this is Terrence Howard could be a white dude and this story still works and still plays. Yep. There's there's nothing inherently black about this story. Like I think the hip hop blinds you to it because you're like, oh shit, this is rap. This is our culture. But once you remove that, you realize the story is still just it's a it's really just a a colorless story. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's why it took off and why so it resonated with so many people because it really is about him realizing that he has done nothing with his life, that he's been supported by all these women that he's living off of, and he's trying to become something. Uh, you know, and his choice in this case is music, and I feel like it's it's a it's a it's an annoyingly non-black message that for me. And I was as I was watching it with my wife. Well, she didn't. She was like, "I'm not fuck this movie. I'm not watching this movie." But as I as I was trying to watch it while she was in the same house as me, uh, one of the things that I, I said to her while she was walking by was like, "You know, this isn't really a black story." And she was like, "Oh, you just now realize that," and then made me feel stupid. But yeah, that that was the weirdest part about that was that it, it just. It, it, in retrospect, when I was a, when I was younger, I was like, "Oh, this is such." I felt like represented, and then as I watched it as an older person, I realized I wasn't. But see, that's the opposite for me. That's one of the reasons why I really like it, because I don't like how anything with black people has to be black. I like when black people can be in stories, and it can it could be a white person or it could be a black person. It doesn't have to be inherently black because it's about black people. And so the story, it's like, like I don't want to get into this other thing, but like I was watching um, something else, but I don't remember what I was watching. I forget. But the point is, is that like so often you get these movies where it's like, okay, I'm going to make a black movie. And so it has to have an underlying message and it has to be about blackness and about the black experience. And I'm just, and I, and I get that, but I also think that limits your opportunity for films if all the movies that you can be in are just movies that that further the black experience that's written by a black person that has that black touch, then that limits what you can do. I like a story where the character could be any color and they chose to make it black. The music could be any music. They chose to make it hip hop. Like they, they made those choices in a vet in with a with as a choice without making it i'm making the black movie but see i feel like that's so th- my disagreement with that is this what you just said is they chose to like have a black person be in a story and i'm not saying that black people can't be in stories maybe at some point in the future that's the thing we can do but in choosing to have a story about a black person using black music either you are giving a me- well no matter what you do you're giving a message to black people um and in this case this message is don't worry all you got to do is just you know make one hot mixtape all you got to do is make one break and then you'll get out of all the bad life decisions you've had and so my issue is is that even though you're right you should be able to have black people in any story no matter what 
It should just be this story. This dude happens to be black. And I feel like if you do that, however, um, you have to be able to dismiss the fact that, you know, black culture and black people exist in the world. And I don't think you can. And especially when you make a movie that it features all black characters with the exception of DJ Qualls and Taryn Manning. And you also bring in like black icons from music, black music past with Isaac Hayes and Ludacris, uh, which in this case is music present. And you do all of this building and, and use this culture to tell the story that ultimately has a dangerous message to the people that it's in, that it, it's in it, to the people whose culture you took from it. Like, what does it mean when you take our images and our icons and our heroes and our culture and then use it to feed us a shitty message? That's like, like, That's and I, I get what you're saying. Like, it, it should be able to be like, look, we should be able to be shitty. Because honestly, the thing that, that struck me about this too is that these are all just shitty black people all over the place. Just the shittiest of black people. Everyone's shitty. And I mean, that's great. And that's great because truthfully, we never sit to see black people be shitty. But at the end of the day, we can't really have those messages in movies from white people because ultimately you're just adding to oppression. Well, like, I didn't see I didn't see that as the message. I just saw the message as, you know, your pet you can fuck up in your past, but that mm-hmm. doesn't control your future. I don't particularly think that's a bad message for people to think that like, you know, I came from a fucked up background. I made poor choices. But, but see, I he, can make I can change I, think, I can do something better. I don't think he, he don't, really, well, he didn't you don't change have, though. But you All don't he did have was to, he just he changed vocations. Right, he but didn't they never portrayed Right, but they never portrayed DJ as a good person. Like at the end of the movie, it wasn't like he's a great person now. It was. Right. It wasn't that. It was just like he succeeded in what he was trying to do. So, it wasn't so the message saying, is it's just switch should, jobs. The yeah, message is just switch different. jobs. That's the that's mess, yeah. The message is like so always um, fight through. Here, here's here's because we we're not gonna stick on this one point yeah. for this entire fucking episode. Here's the message of this movie, as far as I can tell. You're going to hit a midlife crisis. Good luck. (laughs) Because DJ hit a midlife crisis. Uh, Nola hit a midlife crisis. Um, Anthony Anderson's character, Key, hit a midlife midlife crisis. Um, Fucking Suge. Hit a midlife, and and you know what? I feel so bad for Suge. I felt so bad for her so through this entire do. movie. Uh, yeah. t- uh, 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 T- Taraji. Taraji P. Henson, girl. When I first saw this movie, I was just like, "Damn!" Like that's she just faded into the corner. But do you know how hard it is to for Taraji P. Henson watching it now for her to fade into a corner and just be put upon? Like, okay, here's this movie. DJ is a horrible doing a horrible job as a pimp like he's a pimp with a heart of gold i guess but he's just (laughs) really fucking bad at it um and him and nola his skinniest most shapeless girl are sitting underneath a freeway waiting for people for johns to come by and pick nola up dj has no air conditioning in her car in his car um Nola is feeling badly about the whole situation. And she's like, yo, this is shitty. And he's telling her about the difference between dogs and men. Now, I need y'all to hear that part or or know that part because Nola is literally, didn't know this when this movie came out, she's literally the embodiment of white women. 
Like she takes everything the DJ says and becomes successful using his words at the end of the movie. Um, also, whenever somebody else is doing something, she's like, I want to do that too. Like yeah. when Suge is singing the, the chorus to It's Hard Out There for a Pimp. I want to sing now. I should get to sing. Um, so DJ then leaves there and goes to the the um, goes to the bar where Isaac Hayes is to sell Isaac some dirt weed. And Isaac is like, yo, Skinny Black is going to be here on 4th of July. Also, uh, a terrible name for a rapper. But it's, it's such there. a Southern name for a rapper yeah, because <laughs> really, uh, Big Bank, um, th- was that thug. the nigga with the, <laughs> Flint Thug, well, the nigga who had the, who had the album cover where he was literally slam dunking a woman through a basketball hoop. Um, <laughs> and then Big Bear, um, it's just a Southern thing at this point in time. And, and I mean, they, they Kodak they, Black now too. So, I mean, what can I say? So He's like, yeah, so bring some weed. I'm going to shut down this whole place because Skinny Black now hit it big. And uh, DJ doesn't know who Skinny Black is. He knows him peripherally. Like, they went to different schools. And yeah. he knows Skinny Black the same way that people know that nigga who went to, the, was in the same district as you and invented po- uh, post-it notes. This part of the story actually felt very real to me because uh, I know people, especially coming up around Atlanta, I know people who are like, oh, you know, I'm from College Park. I, I went to the same high school as Outkast. And it's like, okay, that's pretty much the end of that story, right? Like, but I it just, I know I've seen that before. But it wasn't so much him saying I, I, I went to the same school as him. Deep down inside, DJ feels like he could have done everything the Skinny Black is doing. Correct. Um, and he feels like he could have been better than Skinny Black, which is the other part of niggas knowing somebody who, oh, I knew Outkast, them niggas ain't shit. That's no, usually no, that no. full I, conversation. Well, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I think he feels like Skinny Black lost his way. I think he felt mm-hmm. like... I feel like that was just some, some shit he was spitting to get, the up, end, get on the because side. Because he yeah. literally he said sits that down... The- but he said that in the beginning, too. He said, like, Skinny Black used to be dope, but now he not even hot no more. But that's the same thing as niggas saying them niggas ain't shit. Correct. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I feel like it's it. I've it just I've seen that so much. It's it's a well, that nigga is from the same place I did. How come he's hot and I'm not? Nigga, as, as somebody who's been podcasting for years, trust me, we've heard every single different <laughs> way that you can hear you somebody shit. say to somebody else ain't shit. <laughs> one of them is, man, that nigga used to put out podcasts that was just full of life and everything, but that nigga done lost his way. I could do that shit. He's he's hating on the low. Because Not again, on the low. I feel like he's hating pretty pretty, pretty blatantly. Blatantly, yeah, it's pretty open. <laughs> um, so he goes to pick up Lexus. So he has who by the can we take a moment to talk about Paula Jai, Jai Parker and yes. so I didn't realize this either until uh, I saw this. I had a girlfriend who was a lot like Paula Jai Parker shortly after this movie. And I think I was into her because of Paula Jai Parker and uh, my poor life decisions to be into women who love drama. And I yeah, think this movie that, fucked up my my dating life is what I'm trying to say. For well, like I mean, Paula Jai at Parker, least six months. Paula Jai Parker literally got typecast into the drama queen. Because yeah. before this, she was Craig's girlfriend on Friday. Yeah, but she she wasn't anywhere near this hot and didn't say this many words. I, but she I, was. But she was that. That's still she was that dramatic. At like, thirty eight, I still find that like extremely hot. Like it's it's difficult for yeah. like I know better. I'm like no no no. That's that's just a bad time. 
But if even now I'm like, mm, I might throw it all away. It's just, it's a bad time. I know it's a bad time now, but at 38, I, I still feel that same tug. And I hate that. I hate that I'm attracted to that. I hate it. But what I'm saying is, she is the same, you know. Yeah, Craig, I my, like my around best the way, girl. girlfriend told me that they saw you at the movie theater hug. That was some trick. Now tell me who she is. I ain't even made payout yet. She's the same exact girl. Yeah, just in a different era and in a different city. Um, she does play it well, though. She does. Um, when I saw her in a movie where she wasn't that role, I was like, oh, okay. Um, I would love to see her in a movie doing anything else <laughs> what else has she been in uh hold on let a me... lot of shit she's been in a gang of has stuff. she has she, she started was in, she was in um she was in um what the fuck tales from the hood she was the one getting beat up by monster well i'm not i don't want to see her get beat up is, is there can but i no, see that's... apologize parker like happy is there a movie where she's just like walking around happy having a great t- time just well, you know she's, she's truly proud from the proud family that doesn't count <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's as good as it gets. You can see black women be happy in like cartoons. I mean, she was Adina in Sprung, so that's the same fucking <laughs> character. <laughs> I forgot she was in Sprung. Um, um, she was in Idlewild. I, I, I've never seen that, but I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't same. have had her the yeah. same. Same person. The only know. person happy in that movie, are, I guess, the only person with any agency was Paula Poundstone. Oh, okay. Well, I tried. Um, yep. Yeah, no. Um, we're, we'll keep looking, but good luck. Anyhow, um, DJ comes into the strip club where where I almost called her Paula, where Lexus is working. She works as a, she works in the club. Um, so Nola, no shape, no form, no body whatsoever. Why can't I work in the strip club with Paula? Why can't I do what Paula's doing? Paula's stripping. Well, because you, and D, I laughed my ass off. DJ was like, because you have a low equilibrium. <laughs> that was such a friendly way. To say that. That was so friendly. You have a low equilibrium, but the way, you, the reason why you have a low equilibrium, which he doesn't say is because you have no tits and no ass to balance you out. <laughs> You're just like a stick standing up in the wind. You have a low equilibrium, baby. So we just keep you here to work with the nasty white people who pick you up underneath the freeway. So he goes and he sees uh, Lexus and Lexus is actually dancing. She's doing a lap dance and getting paid for it. And he yanks her off of the person who she's grinding on. And Lexus is like, yo, what the fuck are you doing here? I ain't even made payout yet. And uh, DJ's like, well, I'm ready to go. I thought the so I I thought that the and this is God I know too much about this story. I was under the impression that the reason he was coming to get her was because if she stayed there, she didn't make enough money to afford a taxi home. So if she had to take a taxi home, any money that she made working there after payout would pretty much be gone to the taxi, and she wouldn't be able to bring enough home. So he goes to pick her up, and because he doesn't want to pick her up in the morning, she has to work day shift. Otherwise, and he'd have to go pick her up in the morning. That too. Like, yo, I, yeah. I, I want to She work really should have been working night shift. She should have been working have. night shift. His ass should have been waking up at like five in the morning, going to go pick her up and driving her back home and been like, well, you make more money doing this. It would have made more sense. But for whatever reason, he didn't, I guess he just didn't want to get up to go get her. I, I didn't understand that part of the dynamic because, like, uh, when, when, the, when the girls would be like asking him, what do you do? 
I was really like with them, like, yeah, yeah, what do you I do? I do. He's a terrible pimp. He's not good. He doesn't <laughs> do any of the like traditional pimp shit. He didn't even like like even when she he left old girl in the store, I was like, yo, you're not a good like, what if he fucks her up? Like, are you just like you can at least like have some presence. You don't have to be in the room, but like you could be outside to make sure she's not getting the shit beat out of her. He just went and waited in the car. So DJ after getting yelled at by Paula by Lexus. Deservedly. Deservedly. Deservedly because he's fucking up her money because he doesn't want to go out of his way to do this or even let her drive a fucking car. Um, Well, you got to have a car to drive. That's a whole other thing. Dude, take take the car with you to the strip club at night. That way I don't have to pick you up and come back. Um, So assuming that she has a driver's license. Also, I feel like she's the type that leave your shit unlocked and be like, "Well, the car got stolen," and then just be like, I, "That's that's just some extra drama." You know, yeah. she'll leave that car unlocked. And, and to be real, his car, while it's not like the best, I guarantee you that shit'll be on bricks by the time she come out that trip club, because yes. <laughs> yes. he have rims on him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't trust the motherfucker who has a scrape. I tell you, I dated her. You can't trust her. You can't trust her with your shit. You can't. So Lexus comes in the house. We meet Suge, who is a pregnant prostitute pregnant sex worker let's just let's just yeah, sex let's worker. just iron that out a pregnant sex worker um they say that they don't know who the baby's daddy is but i'm pretty sure it's dj <laughs> i don't know i feel like i don't know no, i don't think it's dj i know i just you know I, oh well it is dj now yeah <laughs> but <laughs> so there's another baby in the house uh who's Suge is apparently the unofficial babysitter because she had just put Lexus's baby Roger to sleep. Uh, Lexus comes in and says, I want to see my baby. And she goes in the back and picks up Roger and wakes him up from his sleep. So now he's screaming and crying. And two minutes later, she hands him to uh, <laughs> DJ. Like, that's enough. Um, I understand that feeling so much, though. Like, and, then he gets, and then he gets him to calm down. And she comes right back up and wakes his ass back up again. Because... What he does to get her, get him to calm down, get little Roger to calm down, is on their way home. DJ, or yeah, DJ gets stopped by a meth head, a crack uh, head. I guess this is two thousand five. I refuse to so believe crack. he's giving up cat a Casio for weed. Two thousand five. This is crack. So but this nigga gave up his my first Casio. Um, we gave him a quarter. A quarter is not cheap. No, but especially not like a quarter it's on worth the street. More than that Casio. A qu- a quarter. You said yeah. the quarter's worth more than the Casio? You're Dude, correct. That, yeah, yeah, very much so. Like, he overpaid for that Casio. Oh, I thought you were saying that the, the Casio was worth more than the quarter. I was like, Fuck no. no. That's, a quarter that's a week? my first keyboard-looking shit. Well, it, depend on, it also kind of depends also, like, if we're being real. It depends on, like, uh, what type of weed. Because, like, a quarter of the right weed is... He ain't giving even. that dude the right weed. He is no, not I'm saying a quarter, that... of the, a quarter of the dirt weed he broke even. Because he does... I mean, like, come on. He he is a weed dealer. You have to assume he has both dirt and fire weed. Yep. And so they go home. Roger's crying. Uh DJ takes Roger and starts playing around with this little Casio and Roger stops crying, at which point Paula or Lexus comes in and snatches Roger up again. And DJ starts screaming at her, You're horrible. Why are you why are you rattling that baby like that? Um Hey man, he just went he, I just got hey, him man. calmed down, man. Hey man, I just <laughs> got him calmed down, man. As as you come on here, man, and you, you fucking rile him up, man. I'm just man. Man. So DJ and uh Nola go to church where 
literally Jennifer Bynum is, I had to look her up. Jennifer Bynum Green is up there singing Change My Name and mm. broke DJ down to the roots, like had him crying and had me like sniffling. Her I like voice this scene. is incredible. I actually really liked this scene. And and again, I think it's like when this, when this, all the scenes involving music in this movie are wonderful, are, are great. And like, it's, it's one of those things where like, I feel like, uh, to to the movie's credit, you could tell that they have a lot of reverence for uh, black music, specifically like black music that came out of like uh, the church, and, and they they really do handle all the scenes with music well. And the reason why they're in the church is because when after uh, Nola goes riding off with some random John who uh, has air conditioning, her, who has air conditioning, and she's <laughs> sure to tell. It's a great line, DJ. I love that line. It's like he's got air conditioning. He must be working hard as you. I was like, oh shit! <laughs> so they get Zing. into they after they after she comes back, uh, they go to the store where she gets a popsicle, and DJ is uh, talking to I guess his drug the guy above him in the drug ladder. Yeah, the dude from Corn. And so uh, the dude is like, "Yo, man." Um, you, I, I don't want that bag. It looks dirty. And so DJ takes the money out the bag and rubs it all over his balls and was like, I bet you take this. Yeah. I also found that funny. I, I, that was hilarious. Yeah. I giggled at that. That, that was fun. And he took <laughs> it. And while he's standing there waiting for the dude to come back with his uh, weed, uh, Clyde, a.k.a. Key, comes in. Uh, Key recognizes DJ. DJ does not recognize Key until Key says that he's doing music and all of a sudden, oh yeah, man, I remember you, man. You was the one who was playing, you was you was running the the the, the music at the school, man. Yeah, man. Come on, man. Yeah, so the girls got purple rain. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> man. Um and so they go to the church the next day to talk to Key. Um and that's where DJ realizes he's having a midlife crisis. He goes back and he tells uh Shug, that he's, you know, I've always thought that I could be more than this. There's that nigga skinny black. I'm better than that nigga. Uh, and so the next step that they decide to do is go to Key's house while Key is having dinner with his wife, uh, Yvette. And not paying attention to any of the stories she's telling. Not a goddamn word. It's <laughs> paying no attention to her. That nigga really is literally the mm-hmm meme. Shocked by the fact that he was not paying attention because again, I don't feel I feel like he should, would be way more grateful for Elise Neal than he was. Also, I I'm feel like you say. can eat and listen at the same time. Not difficult. You could you could show some interest in the person you marry, but whatever. Shoot, this nigga's eating like he's in prison or in the army, like he's just face in the plate, nigga. You can bring your fork to your mouth and have your head up looking at your wife and listen to what she's saying, but I guess. 2005, no. They learned that in 2018. 2005, niggas don't listen. No, he right? was going through a tough time. He didn't, you know. Really? He was, was he or was, was she? Was he? <laughs> was he no, going he through said a rough he time? Was. He said he was. What he was said, rough? I mean, what? He had was that conversation. He had that conversation later in the movie with DJ, and he was saying like, he was like, yo, you know, I got a good wife. You know, like she does everything right, but it's just something wrong with me right now that I can't figure out why. He was clearly having some things he was going through, which is why he was being an asshole towards her in that scene. Uh, also, what we found out later on is that uh, he ain't shit. So, Clyde... I, I figured that out, and here's here's when I realized Key wasn't shit. I realized Key wasn't shit when old dude showed up at his house with a little Casio, 
and he was like, "All right, I'll listen to it." And then he got it. And like I was like, "All right, so he ain't." Well, shit. he didn't say he didn't say I'll, I'll listen to it. Uh, DJ was like, hey, man, if you just give me a moment, man. And that's when Key hit him off with some of the realest words in the movie, which was people who walk the walk, sometimes talk they the talk. talk the talk, but most times they don't talk at all because they're walking. Niggas like you, though, you're the one who would talk the talk and make me want to and, and ask me to do the walking for you. And that's when he pulled out that bum-ass Casio with that stupid-ass like, right, yeah. That that high tempo ass beat that was going. He couldn't. He was not going to rap to that beat. I'm gonna do my shit because I'm. Like. So, then Elise Neil Yvette is sitting up front with Nola and um, and Lexus, and Nola has these nasty ass white woman extensions in her hair. Uh, elite or Yvette is looking for some sort of conversation to have with these two sex workers. So she's like, "Hey, I like your hair. It's really nice." And Lexus is like, "You ain't got to lie to her. You ain't got to tell her her hair looks nice when it's whooped." And I was like, "I hope DJ can pull Key into his idea before Lexus beats Nola up because Nola then says, "Everybody else says my hair looks sexy," and then Lexus said, "And then they nut." <laughs> 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 and uh, I died twice. Um, shout out to Lexus. So, <laughs> so then Lexus sits there on this woman's couch. She has her legs. She has her legs crossed at first, but then as she tells uh, Nola, the people only say her hair is pretty right before they nut. She looks Yvette dead in the eyes and uncrosses her legs and just spreads her legs out so her panties are showing in this church lady's house. <laughs> And she just looks at Yvette like, the fuck you gonna do? So then Yvette gets up and runs into the kitchen where Key is now going crazy rapping with uh, DJ. For that Casio beat, baby. Right? And he's making his own beat on the table. What's the matter, Nick? You ran out of spit? Oh, man, what's going on? Oh, my wife is right there while I'm talking about getting these hoes in the hotel room. Um, so then they go back to um, the next day they go to DJ's house and start setting up the studio using uh, cup holders for you know sound quality they're, they're soundproofing like ghetto mm-hmm. soundproofing and um, DJ ain't doing shit nope still not doing anything he's watching he's... Key walk while he's literally standing there like hey man what you doing man and then uh, while he's watching uh, Key do all the work, he gets a knock at the door. Doesn't answer it. Suge answers the door, Shug comes answers. to him, and he does his best not to answer this door. He's like, yo, you know my rates. Wake Nola up. Get anyone else with me. Fine. I got to do everything in this goddamn house. You don't do anything in this house. I got I to gotta answer the door, and he goes to the door, and it's DJ Qual. And he says to DJ Qual, which was another funny line. Y'all Mormons are real brave up in this motherfucker. <laughs> Bro, I laughed so hard at that. That was yeah, so good. That was good because I've, I, Memphis's neighborhoods are bad. You don't want to be a Mormon there. It's, it's I, 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 I honestly, did y'all know, DJ Qual blew up off this movie and I did not realize that he, this, this uh, led to him doing um, 
Oh, what was the name of that movie? I think it was the New Kid. Was this a, was this before the New Kid? I loved the New Kid. I'm sorry. I actually really liked it, but yeah, this was before he. This movie blew him up. Like he got a bunch of shit right after this, and th- this was a really big movie for DJ. No, Balls. the New Guy came out in 2002. Oh this shit! This was actually his come down because he was in Road Trip. Uh, he was the one who that unfortunate scene where they took that beautiful uh, black woman and and tried to make fun of her because she was bigger than he was uh yeah. but he was in road trip and then he was in um the new guy okay yeah and i thought i thought new guys after flow. my bad yeah no worries my bad. and then after that he just started doing shit like you know my name is earl where he was just like side people road road trip too you know electric boogaloo <laughs> but then uh he's dj's like who the fuck is this white boy man and um uh, Keys is like, hey, that's that's Shelby, man. He he does the piano for me at my uh he does piano for me at the church. And DJ is like, hey man, you up in here, man. You better do something with your life, man. And so uh <laughs> Keys says, Hey, do that DJ, do that whoop that trick verse again that you're doing. Because at first he wasn't gonna call it whoop that trick. The, the stuff that he has written down in his his notepad was Beat that bitch. Yeah, you say I won't beat that bitch. Whoop that shit. Tell me, I'm hoes. I used to know every line to that. God damn it. And so, uh, can you can you tone it down just a little bit? And this is how that played out. And I I I I'm sorry. I love this song. I turned it up in the on the surround sound so it hit the entire house. But I have a problem with the way that this song came about. I bet you won't beat that bitch, whoop that bitch. Got me acting bucking shit. Hoes telling me to calm down, but I'm like, fuck that shit. I'm already on that hypnotic and that gray goose. A couple of shots of here that just gave me a nigga. What the fuck wrong, man? You don't like that shit? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I got other shit. No, man. no, no, man. It's it's it's, it's 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 okay, man. It's just that we want radio play, right? And, and man, you got a song called Beat That Bitch. They might hear that and they think that's the grade. Yeah, but that's if you're calling a woman a bitch. This sounds like a tearing the club up song. Well, man, I ain't trying to call no whole no bitch. Yeah, I mean, besides, you're just a bitch. That's look, look, man, y'all preaching to the choir, all right? If you were to say something different other than beat that bitch, what would you say? <laughs> I didn't realize DJ Qual stuttered. Bump <laughs> um, that hoe. <laughs> Don't play that. Fuck. Um, uh, shit, whoop that trick. No, 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 no. Go, go, go back. What? Whoop that trick. That's it. Like like what? Like, like 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 a chant, man. Whoop that trick. Whoop that trick. Get him. Whoop that trick. Get him. Really? Beat is so it fucking is, yeah. hard. Uh-huh, I like that clap. You see, we all sitting here quietly, <laughs> like just enjoying the shit out of this. Woo! 
Also, we need to shout out like Juicy J and 3-6 Mafia because they wrote all this stuff. Actually, it's Al Capone, my bad. Al Capone wrote that one. Mm -hmm. uh, Project Pat Juicy J wrote uh, Hard Out It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp. Yo, seriously, shout out Al Capone. That song goes hard. Like, Yo, that shit. They Oof. still play that song without... Shout out to my boy Corbin. They still play that song without any censoring at all at Memphis Grizzly games. <laughs> Every game. Mm -hmm. At home, they <laughs> play that song... Up. And niggas go berserk. That song goes hard. Ah, <laughs> uh, even like like seriously, that whole scene, despite the fact that it's it's obviously like you know fabricated, uh, mm -hmm. it takes a lot longer than that to push it together. But that whole scene is is just that's my favorite scene from the movie. Yeah, it, it's it's so damn good, and I feel like like it's that whole seeing that whole like ideation process from start to beginning. They did a really good job of like encapsulating it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's just. It's it's and that song, goddamn that song. All the all the songs this in this uh shit go hard, but that song is just a bananas track. Like I honestly was mad at Ludacris when he uh fucked up the, the tape at the end. So I was like, you need to hear whoop that trick at least. Steal the beat, do something. Like <laughs> you need to hear this song. Can you imagine Skinny Black on the whoop that trick beat though? I, I wish they had done a remix with him on it. It would have been oh, dope as been fuck crazy. with actual Luda on it. Oh. Hey yo, I could already see it. Do no 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 no. I feel like though if Luda was on it, they would have slow. They would have had to slow it down. They would have had to slow it down because Luda doesn't rap on shit that fast. Like if you really listen to Luda's shit, he raps on some slow ass beats on purpose. I think. But I think he'd be. I've heard him gas a couple times. I yeah. can't think of the actual songs, but I know that there's been a few. I've heard I him go. Was, I'm so I'm so hood. The uh, the DJ Khaled remix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He does like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he was gassing on that one. So um, I've also heard him like line when he says, <laughs> he says, "I'm not trying to call no whole no bitch." <laughs> that shit is so <laughs> funny to me. It's such a ridiculous line. It's what so what else would you call this? Stomp that hoe. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> um, I don't know, but um, but it's so, absolutely something like a misogynistic man would say who doesn't like think that they're being that misog- way normally. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, I'm not trying to call no hoe no bitch. That's rough. That's fucked up. Call them a bitch." It, it reminded me of uh, what was the scene in in boy was it Boys Men? Not Boys Men, Boys in the Hood. <laughs> My bad. It reminds me of scenes of Boys in the Hood where uh, at the barbecue where Ice Cube was like, "Yo, bitches got to eat too." I feel like that's what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. So um, here's how I know that that Key's going to end up divorced. This nigga puts out one, not even a good song, because they don't even record it. Um, they don't record they just, shit. They, just, they, just, they don't record just, shit. And that's the thing. That's what you got to know about <laughs> Key. They're not recording shit. He's literally uh, just hanging out at a pimp's house. And, 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 and Yvette says to him very much, yo, I have a problem with my man going to a pimp's house with a bunch of hoes in it. Now, she's never seen the rest of his house, and she just assumes that he's a pimp, and he's already brought two of his sex workers over to the house. So you would just assume that the house is full of sex workers. It's, it's not, you know, but in her mind. Yeah, because he's so, not a good pimp. So they're out there <laughs> having fun on the track, and then after they get done having fun on the track, instead of Key taking his ass home to his wife, He's at the sideshows with Key at like it seems like nine o'clock at night. Oh yeah, yeah. It had to and, be later than that. Yeah, well, no, it was, it it, yeah. Because sideshows like that don't crack off at seven o'clock at night. Yeah. We'll be back to hindsight after this brief break. Hey y'all, this is Derek. We wanted to thank y'all so so much for listening to our show. Right now, at this very moment, we'd like for you to go ahead and screenshot your phone, your iPad, or wherever else you're listening to this show, and send it to us on Twitter, at Hindsight Reviews. We'll post it up and retweet it to everybody else, and you could be a part of our family. Also, be sure to leave a five-star review, and let us know what you think of the show, wherever you listen to the podcast at. Thank you so much, and back to the show. What was wild to me about about that too was like, why didn't they record anything for so what? long? And and then why why like, if you like, do that? Do you not just like grab a mic? Let's put this on. Why, like, like nigga, why did it take you four so, visits to tell him, yo, your microphone is shitty? And it's not until after you have Suge singing, which we won't get to yet. Right, um, but but like that's what I was I was I was like, yo, your whole thing. Is I understand audio. I'm an audio technician. How did you not know this mic was gonna be shitty? Like, I'm st- I'm still blown away by the old dude being like, "Oh, we'll use a shitty mic. Don't worry about it." And then later being like, "Okay, this mic is shitty. You should worry about it." It's I was mad about all this. Like, I was also mad that they weren't recording anything. Like, and it was just them fucking around until finally somebody was like, well, I guess we got to record something. It's like, your whole purpose was to make a demo. Why have you not had a mic this entire time? Exactly. And so... Like, why did you hook up all this goddamn audio equipment to not have a mic? I'm just... I'm sorry. I just... That really made me mad. I was like, why did you bring in this whole goddamn studio? Why'd you put up fucking soundproofing if you weren't going to bring a fucking mic in until, like, a week and a half... Oh. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. It just. I was mad about all of this. 
I got you very right angry about this. Because it's a waste of everybody's time. It's like, thank you. It's like, what? Also, this is 2005. That's like, that, well, that's like me. In, in 2009, we were doing Sin and Solace. That's like me having everybody come together to record Sin and Solace and then be like, you know what? I didn't hit record. No, that's like you've been like, yo, let's just do table reads of Sin and Solace. You write Sin and Solace, all of it, and we just table read it. We never no, record anything. No, it's much worse than that. He, had, he was recording on a cassette tape in 2005. Listen, <laughs> I understand that they are, he's supposed to be like in the hood and like not well off. But like CDs came out like 1990, like 90. Yeah, but you had to have a laptop to burn one. No, you have to have access to a computer. A yeah. computer, like a library, like a church computer, <laughs> a church computer, a computer, like a 2005. Also, how did, how did Key not have a computer? How did Key not have a computer? Like, yeah, you, you run a business, you have a business. I assume you run your own business. He never talks about working for someone. He's just like, I record, I record audio. So, you don't have a computer at all to process this audio? It's 2005. <laughs> exactly. So, That's exactly what I'm saying. So after Key somehow finds his way home, uh, DJ goes back to the house with Nola and come to find out uh, Lexus had to work that evening or that day and got off work and had to sit there waiting for DJ to show up and he never did. So she had to use her money to uh, take the taxi home, rightly angry. Uh, So she's like, I hope you ain't expecting no money from me today. Um, and she's like, yo, you's a punk ass bitch. You caused me a gang of money, you punk bitch. Like, you're the worst fucking pimp ever. You're a whole punk bitch. Look at you. Um, and so DJ, uh, gets mushed in the fucking face, um, <laughs> by, by Lexus. And so his thing to do is to go into her room and grab all of her, like her two drawers of clothing, um, and put them outside and then carry her and put her outside like well you you kind of skipped a very important part here to be fair to dj and i'm not trying to defend dj but to be fair to dj she did say to him i should just walk out here because i make all the money for this house and i don't have to be here what if i just leave myself she's and go on my own right she she's right though point yeah, out the lie right point, no point i don't say she pointed out the lie but i'm yeah. saying dj was basically like okay leave yeah, and then this nigga picked up Roger and put him outside in the put fucking outside in, in the walker. Yeah. And Flintstone. I'm watching Suge heart broken. Well, here's what uh I guess I should have been more upset about the baby than I was about the thing. I got upset because he threw the drawers out and I was like, nigga, yes. you still have you still have a dresser in there with no drawers, you dumbass motherfucker. Like you could just throw the clothes out. What why would you throw the drawers outside as well? I got and so they, heated about that. And they were wood drawers too. And he threw yeah. Them out, so you know they broke. Oak wood, nigga. Like you threw out some goddamn solid ass drawers. You're like, well, fuck you. Like, why are you fucking with this dresser? You trash nigga. I was so angry about that. And then when he put the baby outside, I was like, all right, well, I guess I should be upset about this baby too. But those drawers, nigga, those drawers. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was very, that. I was very put out about Roger, and I was very put out for Suge because Suge is like, no, like Suge literally latched on to that baby. Yeah, um, we I'm, probably I, spent more time with that baby than anybody in the house. It's weird that we talk that I'm that I'm talking about Sin and Sal so much in this episode, but we wrote, I wrote an episode where a woman kidnaps a baby. And literally just falls in love with it and starts to think of herself literally as the baby's mom over time. Um, 
and I think Suge had that same sort of bonding with this child because she's pregnant. She's already feeling these emotions and everything. And ain't nobody else with the fucking baby. That's her baby. All day. It's just her all day with that baby. And so when they put that baby out, hearing her cry broke my heart. Um, yeah. The next day, uh, Shelby and, and Key come back over. And Shelby... Uh, is the one who they're sitting there talking and, and DJ has written some stuff after what uh, Lexus says to him the night before. He writes some stuff about how hard it is in his house for 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 him to be a pimp. It's hard for him as a pimp. Despite and so, the fact there's now a woman and a baby on the streets. But it's hard for him as, as a, a pimp. pimp. Yes. And so <laughs> uh, Shelby has the idea for Suge to come in and sing a hook. He literally writes the hook. I just want to say right now, early on in this movie, that Shelby's pretty much the MVP. Yeah. Of all this, the beats. All the beats. All the all the hooks. Yeah. All the everything. He did that. Um, and so... The only, the only thing he brought was a power strip. And a desire to live vicariously through DJ. Yep. And, oh, and, and uh, cup he, holders. He, he brought cup holders. Yeah. We gotta yeah. give him credit. He did mix it. He did. Remember at the end, he tells DJ the nigga forgot a microphone. <laughs> He's the so, audio engineer. And, and look, look, his entire here, job is recording up, music. He couldn't grab a mic from work loud and clear because he sits there and listens to Suge do this. It's hard out there for a pimp hook. Like there, DJ is right there next to her, saying, "Hey, headphones man, on. Push this out, man. Hey, man, push this out, man." push it out like encouraging her and shit she does her best one and she's all smiling and tears coming down her face and then we find out that they throw him out the they throw DJ and, and the ladies out the house so they can try and fix this shit because the microphone is so fucking horrible get out the house <laughs> and so then after they after they have um after they fix Suge's part and Suge gets hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on I like I want to talk about this I like this scene a lot because T- Taraji P. Henson was really acting, really, like, real good acting in this scene. Like, mm-hmm. the emotion on her face of, like, getting it to come out and, like, getting that, like, like the courage, like the, not courage, yeah, kind of like courage, like getting the courage to, the first time she said it, she was kind of nervous. And then he's mm-hmm. like, come on, do it. And then she got a little bit more. And he was like, just let it go. Just put the emotion into it. And she, it was like all the emotion of her life came out in that verse. That she was singing, and it came out like great. So I, the way she acted that scene, I thought was great. The thing that was that stood out to me too about this was that the verse that that hit was the one where she was like looking at DJ. So like when he's like pushed that shot, he actually she actually looks him in the eyes and sings the hook, and that's the one that ends up being the hottest one because it's it's like I think it's it because clearly she's just in love with him mm-hmm. at this point. I feel like at this point it's clear that she's clearly in love with him and, and it's just enraptured with who he is. Which is wild to me, but whatever. Because this was after she thought he was going to kick him out, kick her out. Yeah. Right? This is yeah. after that. Oh, yeah, yeah. They and had this the whole is conversation. After she flinches literally every time he lifts his hand. She's like, yeah. you going to kick me out, DJ? He's like, no. That was very interesting. Sure. What we need right now is called a hook. That's like the chorus of the song. Now, you're going to be singing what's on DJ's pad. DJ. You know, it's hard out here for a pimp when trying to get the money for the rent with the Cadillacs and gas money spare. 
Got a whole lot of bitches jumping ship. Okay. Now, sure. I got an idea how this should go. Now, I suck, but I'm gonna sing it with you until you get it down, all right? Okay. You know it's hard out here for a pimp when you're trying to get the money for the rent with the Cadillac and gas money spent will cause a whole lot of bitches jumping shit. Okay, sing with me. Can I add it? Uh-huh. Okay. You know it's hard out here for a pimp when you're trying to get the money for the rent with the Cadillac and gas money spent will cause a whole lot of bitches jumping shit. Bitches jumping shit. Bitches jumping shit. That's right. Okay? Okay. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, kill him fans. Okay, here we go. You know it's hard out here for a pimp. Sure, I'm gonna need you to sing out, okay, baby? Yeah. Sure. Feel that. You know it's hard out here for a pimp. When you're trying to get this money for the rent. With the... Can I say phone? For the Cadillacs and gas money spent. What cause a whole lot of bitches jumping shit. You know it's hard out here for a pimp. When he trying to get this money for the rent. For the Cadillacs and gas money spent. We'll have a whole lot of bitches jumping shit. Push that shit out. Come on. You know it's hard out here for a pimp. When he trying to get this money for the rent. For the Cadillacs and gas money spent. Will cause a whole lot of bitches jumping shit. You know it's hard out here for a pimp. When he trying to get this money for the rent. For the Cadillac and gas money spent. We'll have a whole lot of bitches jumping shit. That's it right there. That's the money tank. You got that? Yeah, hold on. We're going to see in a minute. Hey, D, I want to do one. I want to pull one down. Money spent. Oh, hush up, man. I just wanted to make sure we got that part in there right away. I, I, I want to do it. What about me? What about me? What about me, Bob? But um, if she can do it, I can do it. That's I not just, your skill set, honey. Wide <laughs> women. You got you got low equilibrium. You can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> but That's not your skill the set. The thing that um also got me about this scene is the fact that there's nobody else who will be able to sing this part. There's nobody else who they'd be able to find to do this hook for them. So they're lucky that Suge actually was able to provide such a great hook yeah the first time i watched this movie i thought they were gonna get that black woman that was singing in the church oh that would have been dope but i mean just when because I, these two church niggas are sinning because shelby is cussing like a motherfucker <laughs> i don't know if shelby is is church he i think shelby just works the church yeah but that don't mean he you play in the piano ain't don't mean you with the church he just plays piano at the church it's, so, it's a difference there's a lot of piano niggas that don't go to church they just play piano when it's sunday so after they uh, get his whole, after they get Shug's part taken care of, then DJ comes back in and he lays down his lines so clean because he's in his mode, man. Mm -hmm. 
I gotta get in my he mouth. He one takes man. every song. Like, and, and yeah. you know what? He you know one takes every song. You it's know like, what? Yo. I just want to point out the bullshit in that. Where as soon as the, <laughs> as soon as the beat really drops in, he goes right to the way he was when he recorded the track for the fucking soundtrack. Also, real question: Does DJ ever have headphones on? Nope. <laughs> yeah, he, no. At the end, at the end, he had headphones when, when he, he had a real mic. Yeah, we okay. Real mic. Okay. On I was gonna say I, I can't remember a, a picture of him with headphones on, like listening to the beat. <coughs> so <coughs> after he gets in his mode, man, and he lays down the track that is absolute fire, that's when Key walks him outside and he's like, "Hey, man, the mic don't work. This is this is a fucking toy mic that we're using, and you ought to be ashamed of yourself." Yeah, I still don't understand. Again, uh, so Shelby is the beats. And the in the hook, uh, DJ is the rapper. You have one fucking Key, job. Key's job, and and again, this is the dude who records music for the church. This is all he does. His entire purpose in life is to sit down and record music. So first of all, he doesn't bring mics to the initial recording because why would he? Why would he bring mics? And then he brings a shitty mic, and he doesn't realize a shitty like. The mic that he had was the same mic that you see uh, if you ever like go to karaoke. It's a karaoke mic, and I can tell you right now those are garbage mics. And he he didn't bring them. I, I just don't. Sorry, I'm gonna harp on the fact that he brought all this goddamn equipment with him and no solid mic. Like, what the fuck are you doing, Key? He has mics because we see him with an incredible mic, uh, miking up over in the church. Is that the church's equipment? Can you not borrow it? This is not during church hours. I'm pretty sure they won't know it's gone. I'm just confused by this entire mic shit. I feel like they did that just so they could like have that whole scene with Terry Manning. So that's exactly what happens next. DJ is like, I'm going to go get a mic. He goes to the actual music store. Mm-hmm. He's talking to the owner of the music store, the, the cashier of the music store, whatever. And he's like, hey, man, how much do these cost? And the guy's like, they cost 200 a piece. And DJ's like, all right, man, how about you give me two of them for 99 bucks? <laughs> what? <laughs> Fuck the cup. Just put it in my hand. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so the dude is like, you heard me say 200 bucks, right? How you get that down to 999? And DJ says, because the customer is always right, man. <laughs> And this white dude is about to throw him the fuck out, but then he looks over his shoulder and sees this skinny-ass white girl, and he's like, that's all I want in my life. And so DJ's like, hey, man, I know that sometimes, man, we all want things that we can't afford, man, that we really shouldn't have, man. So what's going to happen, man, is that ain't, that's my girl, but she, I don't own her, man. So what's going to happen is I'm going to go ahead and walk outside and I don't own her, man. So she could do whatever she wants. And if she do something with you, maybe when she walk out, she takes something that don't that she don't own either. You get what I mean, man? And so he has this whole conversation with this old white man who agrees to it before he goes and has this conversation with Nolan. Nolan's like, fuck that shit. Which, uh, why, I... Why is this where Nola draws her line? I don't I was know, because figure, she, got, I was the, to she got in the car with the old white man earlier in the movie. Right. But like, that why was, is this where... But that was with her consent. Correct. And I, I'm not saying that... I think... No, I think I'm not that's the whole shouldn't. thing. No, I'm I not saying she shouldn't. I think that's literally the whole thing, that she had a word in it, and what she wants is to be able to have a say in what she does and doesn't do. But okay. she didn't have a say I, in I was, what... Yeah, that does make sense. But she didn't have a say with the dude earlier under the over under the overpass. The only one I, she talked to was the one where she was like, "He has air conditioning." The other one, he 
DJ did all the talking, but well, maybe it's because that was her job and she was at work at that point in time that she was perhaps. okay with it. Yeah, because I, I guess it was, it was just the time it was on. I, I guess what I'm saying is that it wasn't very clear why she balked here and not anywhere else. Like, why is this where... And, and I, I guess maybe it was supposed to be... Because later on they had this conversation where she does say, like, I want to do something other than, than this. And then it becomes... Then it is clear. But up until this point, there's not a reason... I mean, I guess I, I, I felt like this was something that I, I felt... I wish they had shown me instead of told me. Because I feel I like agree. they told me after... Because she gives this explanation. Mm-hmm. They never really show me her, her being dissatisfied with her job until right now. Yeah, I agree. It kind of came out of kind of came out of nowhere. It came right. disjointed. It definitely was. Um, and so DJ leaves her inside of this store with this old white man, uh, who's literally been looking at her lecherously the entire time, so that he can get a speak or get a microphone. And when she comes back out, this happens. Hey. Don't ever do that to me again, D. What, man? No, I ain't some fucking cash machine where you can get shit for free. Hey, ain't D. like you was in there sweating no, bullets D, or some shit. No, D, I gotta have the same what I and do. And you was only no, in there for half a minute, have man. Damn. Damn. What I do. Look, man, I was I'm gonna give you what you know. Every time you come, you got something start, for me. Do you got Fuck something you, for me? D. Here, take it. You hey, earned it. Fuck wrong with you, man. This is expensive, motherfucker. Ain't nothing free your ass. No. Don't you do this shit right now. Don't bring your ass here, man. You ever walk away from me? We do what the fuck we gotta do, man. By any means. Ain't that right? We take care of our shit. You think I like this shit? You think I wanna spend the rest of my life pimping your pimple country ass? (laughs) Not me. Fucking hate. I hate this shit. Man, kudos to you him. know what I do in the, in the back of them cars? Do you? Everybody's got something to do. Everybody's got something important going on in their life but me, D. And I want something. What, what do you want? I don't really know, but I just want something. What? God damn it, white women. <laughs> <laughs> I also, want thing. Also. Now that I've looked at her during this scene, I can't look at her anymore without seeing Pensatucky from Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Because that's see, what yeah. she was known best for. That's true. It's, so it's, this, this whole, like, this whole, one last thing about this entire scene here. Uh, I, I do want to say that Taryn Manning, I feel throughout this, um, this is the first time you see her like legitimately get a chance to kind of emote. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she does admirably i actually you know yeah this is this is a a, a, like i actually i feel like this is where that character becomes more than just kind of like background but actually steps in and becomes more round so i I don't want to knock this for uh you know this scene is is, i guess because i feel like this is something that we should have seen or you know earlier in the movie uh i get this stuff may have gotten cut and editing is editing but i do wish that we had gotten more emotion from her and more opportunity for her to like to you know emote. I, I feel like everyone else got like some really deep like set pieces to really kind of chew their teeth on, and this is her only like you know basically two and a half minutes that she gets to do anything, and even then it, it kind of gets undercut because it's like well what do you want? She's like I don't know, and it's like well then well, what the is all this for? Yeah, um, it, get, it gets undercut a bit. 
and I mean, there's a couple of scenes in this movie who clear, that clearly they needed to express more of because when uh, DJ is recording, it's hard out there for a, out here for a pimp after he gets thrown out the house and has to come back in and record his part. They uh, hear hip hop booming from the house next door. And so he has to go over to his neighbor and he's like, hey, man, I know we haven't had a lot of good conversations, man. And it's some conversation. We always wanted to fight each other, man. But I'm begging you to turn down this music or just put it on mute for just a few moments while I could do something really important. And I'm like, okay, we would have liked to have seen that whole communication between him and his next door neighbor. Like, build this out some. Right. But it feels like this whole thing is just like, okay, where'd that come from? And it feels like that happens a lot in this movie. Um, like Roger, where'd he, you know, how this relationship between Roger and Suge get to this point where she's just like the house nurse and she's just like put upon to do fucking everything. How do we get to this point? Yeah. You're, you're forced to make a lot of assumptions. I feel where mm-hmm. like you just, you just kind of, and it's, it's going on this idea of like, well, she's pregnant and this is a baby. So you get it right. And no. sometimes like, I, I wish, <laughs> I wish they would just like, you know, show us some of this and, and I'm not saying I want this movie to be longer because it, it's already kind of a trek, but I I really wish that they had, the time that they used, they could have invested it better, I feel, in specific scenes to help like add more depth to each of the characters. Because mm-hmm. right now, the, the deepest character, obviously, is, is Terrence Howard. And it's really just, you know, what is DJ going to do to get over this next obstacle is what this turns into, basically. Yep. And so they go back to the house um and they record i guess and so the next thing that happens is they skip over to the fourth of july uh suge is doing dj's hair uh in shirley locks um <laughs> i love this hair choice <laughs> and like why is this what you did <laughs> it is the pimp in his hairstyle i've ever seen so, it's the only pimp thing about him though like he he doesn't wear pimp clothes he doesn't really have a pimp car but man, that hair. He's just like, my hair's got to be pimping. And now, thanks to Suge, he also has his chain. A chain yeah. that says DJ. Because she wants people to know how to say his name and how to spell it correctly. So, Where does she get the money for this chain? I have no idea. Where does she get this chain? Because no it clue. feels like it's a custom piece. And no clue. Uh, I have real questions she, about How'd she chain. get there without a car? Yeah. Did she walk? Did she order it? Was, did um, she go online? How, how did she get it? Anybody? Bueller, Bueller, Lexus. Um, Again, a lot of stuff where it would, it would, you could have just shown her walking to town, shown her walking to and, and pick it out. You could have shown this, and then it would have been a lot richer. And so, um, mm-hmm. she gives the chain to DJ. DJ's like, "Oh man, this is nice, man. Thank you, man." And everybody's on the outside, like, "Hey, DJ, hurry up!" And he walks outside, and they're like, "Hey, you got to be there by seven. And DJ's like, "Don't worry, man." Skinny Black's gonna be there all day, man. Um, and they actually flash back before this. They flash back to show that he doesn't really know Skinny Black. That the nigga really was just lying to uh, gas himself up and make himself feel better about his situation in life. Uh, so he's about to walk out to the car so then they could ride out to Skinny Black's. And then he... Uh, there, there was a, there's he a scene like, that you, you skipped a little bit because there's a whole scene where Shook tells him how much she appreciates being yes. part of Hustle and Flow because that's a real like that's that one a, actually teared me up a little scene. bit. Yes, you're that one teared right. it teared me up a little bit because she was like I just she was like I just 
you know, I, I don't really feel like I have anything and I don't get to do anything, but you know, you let me be part of something when you could have had anyone else, when really he could not have had anyone else. But as you pointed out, they could not find anyone else to do it, but she appreciated it so much. It's like, you know, at some point when you get better, you find people who can sing good. I know you'll get someone else, but thank you for letting me see on the demo. And that whole moment, I was like, this is Big. like it. Yeah, it, it, it it's it's a such a, a real moment. And I found it interesting that like he like doesn't kiss her until like afterwards when he comes back. Like he makes the like decision to be like he's like, All right, well I gotta go and he's like, Hold on a minute, then he runs back in and then he kisses her and then you get the whole like, Oh, so they're in love with each other. Yeah, because he goes outside and then it it seems like that's all he can think about was what she said to him. Cause he she was they were like, DJ, you ready? You hyped up, you ready to go? And he's just looking like it's something on his mind. Like, yeah, something on my mind, something on my mind. And then I guess that's all he could think about after that. And then he goes back in, which is an interesting thing because I wrote, yeah. I wrote that like DJ is not a good person, but they wrote the movie in a way where he was like, sometimes he did good, like tried to try to do good in his own way, even though he's a terrible person, which was very interesting. It was like a weird way of trying to write a movie. Because he's like a, you know how they, you know how they call like they call George Bush like a compassionate conservative. I'm like, you can't be a compassionate conservative. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's what this is. He's like a compassionate pimp. He's like like the in the in like let's say we're watching a black exploitation movie, right? right? When Lexi's character went off on on Terrence Howard, if we're watching a black exploitation movie, that pimp would have beat the shit out of her. What would have Would have beat her bloody, right? And he just like throws her out the house. Give, and, gives her drawers. Gives her wooden <laughs> drawers to hold her shit. Doesn't even like he's he's like, look, you can keep your shit in these drawers. Gives her the baby with the baby's toys. It's like, here you go. Take he has that scene with he has a scene with Taryn Manning where they're in the car and he's like, put your hands on the wheel, and now we're driving the wheel, like we're taking the wheel together, we're taking control together. And I'm like, this is a really weird balance of trying to write a character. <laughs> like, this is so weird. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's well, he's not a good pimp. I feel like that's what we have to approach this from. Is he's a terrible, he's not a good pimp, and I feel like he fell into this position because he just needed to make money, mm-hmm. and he's not good at selling drugs either. By the way, he no. gives he gives <laughs> no. away more weed than he sells. <laughs> he gives more weed away than he sells in this movie. Yeah, I feel like so he's he's not good at any of the things he's doing, and he realizes he's not good at it. And I think we're just seeing like him hit uh like the valley of i'm not good at any of this shit i'm doing mm-hmm. like this street shit is not i'm not good at it <laughs> he's just not he's not a hustler literally right. not a hustler i think i found it hold on i want to see That pause 
between it made me feel real, real special, that pause is like everything. Mm-hmm. It made me feel real. You're just like, oh shit. And it just, it's like a ton of bricks. And it's just like, oh, real special. I'm like, mm, I think you've meant real. It made you feel like real. Oh my God. Yeah, that's, that's a damn. That I scene mean, is I'm, good. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like she could have won. I mean, she didn't they didn't give her a lot to do in this film, but at the same time they but gave she, her a lot of things to do. Oh, she carries a lot of weight in exactly. a short period of time. And it's it's with someone else in this role not performing as well, there's a lot of moments here that don't hit as hard as they do. Mm-hmm. That whole conversation she has with him cuz we we glossed over it cuz we didn't cover it, but that whole conversation she has with him about whether or not he's going to throw her out is it the stakes are so real because of how well she's playing that character you got to get lost in worrying about her like yeah are you going to throw her out and i feel like that all the scenes where the focus is between the two of them she steals those st- scenes and she carries them so well and that says something cuz like you said as we have mentioned Terrence Howard has acted his ass off in this movie he is just he really did go all in and and she doesn't have a lot to do but she is just Every scene she in, she's in. Yeah, yeah she, every scene she holds her in. weight. And you got to remember, like, you know, this isn't Taraji P. Henson of 2021, right? Before, yeah. like, her only movie before this was Baby Boy. Yeah. Like, this, like, after Baby Boy, she did, like, a couple TV shows, and then she was in Hustle and Flow. Like, as far as, like, movies, like, this was the second one for her. So, like, she wasn't the name actress that she is now. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, this was her. I would argue this put her name on the map. Yeah, this was because every scene she didn't have a lot of scenes because she wasn't a name at the time. But the scenes that she was in, she, she killed it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would argue that like uh, she steals every scene she's in. Mm-hmm. Like every scene she's in, it's like you get so focused on what's going on with, with Shug. It's and like there was this one point where like they were rapping, and the music, you know, he was rapping, uh, whoop that trick, and, and they heard it. And Suge came in with Nolan, they sat down, and it was such a like a, a cool touch of having them come in to listen to the music that, like, I got lost in, like, oh, they came in because they heard it. That shit was dope. Like, it, it's it's little things, I think, that, like, like I said, even like the, the bigger scenes, like her playing background kind of adds this richness because of how well she performs throughout this movie. So he walks out, realizes he loves her. Runs back in and kisses her. Um, yeah. Also, gross kiss. That kiss was so gross. gross <laughs> was, kiss, there was so moment. much tongue in that kiss. I know, yes. and, and from her, from her, by the way, she tongued the fuck out of him. I, was I mean, like, but it's so Terrence much Howard in 2005. You gotta, you gotta get yours. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it was th- that kiss was so much. I was like, there's a lot of tongue in this kiss. So, and it's, it's so. And also, uh, side note for the whole movie, did you notice how close we are to everyone's face? What what is up with this movie and framing everyone like, like um, like literally they're almost three fourths of the screen every single time it's like they're just face. Three I don't know, quarters. but that's why I thought that Taron Manning was literally method meth acting <laughs> because of how close they got to her face throughout this entire movie. Um, so then Key fucks up again when he's like, "Hey man, we, we I, I gave you a second tape." a second demo tape, just in case there's any producers there. But if somebody wants a CD, they got to get back to us. How? How? Exactly. <laughs> but this leads me into the biggest problem I had with this film from an in-story perspective. Okay. What You're is at it? this fucking club, right? Skinny Black is there, right? Right. Why? And you go over there talk to Skinny Black and all that shit. 
You know the owner of the club, right? You are the owner of the club of boys. You know him. Why don't you have the owner put your fucking tape on in the club? That Great question. True. That's true. <laughs> Probably because he doesn't have a tape deck. The whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, because I forgot, like I said, I haven't seen this movie in like six years. I, I forgot. I, like I said, I keep forgetting the ending of this film. And so I'm watching this, I'm like, all right, yo, yo, put whoop that trick on. The club gonna go crazy. Put that shit on. Yeah. And he's sitting up here talking, and he's, you know, he's doing that. That scene was really cool how he talked to him and his, the acting and the verbiage they chose. But then at the end, I'm like, all right, let's help, like, play the song. Play the fucking song. And then he gives him the tape, and I'm like, oh my God, how do you not play this song? Because the, the biggest <laughs> way to get on, he even says it. He goes, Yo, when you first started, I couldn't turn a corner without anybody bumping your songs. Like the whole, the whole part, the whole Memphis was playing your music, and I'm like, yeah, he got the hood into the songs. That's how it works with like small mixtapes, like people like that. So play your shit in the club. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly feel like it was because of the cassette. I, I don't think, like, it, who in 2005? I, I get that was an old ass bar, but who in 2005 had a tape deck hooked up to their PA? Exactly. Nobody, but that's, who even that's, has a tape deck? That's key fucking up. So, oh my god, uh, he I, had I felt, one job. The I mic. felt very strongly that uh, DJ that this is the worst possible place for DJ to try and let Skinny know about his demo. Other than if they had taken Brandon's idea of playing it on the on the that would have been that would have done it. Honestly, movie but over. Honestly, the nigga can't get mad about it because he doesn't know skinny black like that like the point where skinny black says hey and he looks over and dj looks up like he knows him and he's talking to the dude behind dj i yeah. was like that should have been a sign to you that you don't know this nigga like you think you do love that shot though yeah because <laughs> I, and that has happened to me so many times where i'm like oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh so dj sits down because uh at first skinny black ain't fuck with her all then um isaac hayes like hey skinny chef Let's be honest. Chef goes to Skinny Black, and he's like, "Hey, uh, this the this the dude." And Skinny's like, "Oh, the dude with the weed, the dude." And so that's why he gets to come to the table. He gets the weed from him, and gives then him, gives it uh, away for free. Let's gives not it also, gives it away for free. A goddamn quarter. Yeah, and then um, Skinny he, DJ's about to have his moment to talk to Skinny Black when a fine woman comes over and sits down on skinny black's lap like yo you're at a party where niggas is literally come out the woodworks to celebrate a hometown hero so dj is sitting there looking mad and shit and then this happens hey skinny what the fuck happened to you man huh love this scene yeah fuck happened to you man the fuck did you just say I don't mean no disrespect, no. I just remember when your first underground crunk hit the motherfucker. I just realized that's Mike Jones in the background. That shit flew through Memphis like a motherfucking typhoon. Y'all was there, man. Nigga couldn't even walk halfway down the block without the pavement crumbling underneath his feet because some cat was bumping your shit out the back of the cat. <clears throat> we just miss you, Skinny, that's all. Miss me? Get up, bitch. Hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> This me? Nigga, I don't even... Fuck this nigga, man. So wait, 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 wait. You, you trying to say I can't cut it no more? Like I ain't the shit? That's what you trying to tell me? Nigga, I ain't saying nothing like that, man. Then what the fuck is you saying, huh? What is you saying then? 
Dig this right here, Mike. And one day, this whole motherfucking place is gonna be gone. This club, this city, man, this whole U.S. of A, man, is just gonna turn to dust, right? And a whole new civilization is gonna rise from this one. And they gonna start digging. You know, they gonna dig up the pyramids over in Egypt. They gonna dig up the Eiffel Tower, Statue of Liberty, and the Empire State. But if a nigga won't know about me, won't know about Memphis, all they gotta do is find your first underground tank, nigga. North Third Thugs motherfucker, man. That was the shit. And so this nigga gets a, a way in by telling him that, you know, yo, your underground shit was your hardest shit, which, okay. And, and still has the underground tape, too, by the and way. And he slides it to him and is like, yo, here's your underground tape. And Skinny doesn't even have any copies of it. Like, this is a real fan. Yeah. The problem is he starts talking to him about how he's a real fan. And then they start drinking together. And Skinny gets hella drunk. And that's when he finally tells him about his tape. <laughs> yeah, why he wait so why he wait till he was fucked up high and drunk? No. By clue. the way, I always say this about Ludacris as a rapper and as an actor. He has so much charisma. He's yeah. tons like, of it. He just he just oozes charisma when he's rapping, even in acting. He's not the greatest actor. He's a good actor now, but he's not but he just he's so charismatic mm-hmm. that he just like it's like it's like a, a bright shining light coming off his head when you see him. <laughs> has all this charisma just oozing off of him. Yeah. And so I always notice that every time I see him. And so they are uh, drunk, and that's when DJ finally gets his tape over to him. And and Ludacris or Skinny's looking at it, and he's like, "Hey man, I put my life into this man. All I want is one shot. You you got your shot. You up there? Just turn around and let me get a shot, man. Just help me out. Just let me get one step into the world that you're in. Just give me one shot." And uh, he says, "Because you got to remember, man. I've been doing this, and it's I'm I'm it's it's not about." The fight, it's not about the dog and the fight, man. It's about, and then they both say it's about the fight and the dog. And that's when Skinny and him slap hands and shit. And Skinny's like, where's the bathroom at? Uh, DJ's like, it's over there. Uh, Skinny gets up to go to the bathroom. And DJ's like, hey, somebody better help him go to the bathroom. And the look on, on DJ's face is just that look of absolute triumph, like absolute joy. Don't and they you, play like I choose you at this point? Like I choose you comes on. It's like the da 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 da. It's like this whole like moment of like I fucking did it. And it, honestly, you could end the movie there. You would feel like good. You'd be like, oh man, he did it. Dope. But in, but <laughs> it instead, doesn't end there. <laughs> but instead, what happens is uh, DJ goes and talks to Isaac Hayes, and he's like, hey man, I'm not gonna be selling weed for you for too much longer. You're gonna have to come see me when I'm torn with skinny black and so he goes into the bathroom to talk with skinny some more and skinny is laid out because he's hella drunk um and dj's like hey man let me help you out you laying on the ground you're probably peeing on yourself let me help you i'm even gonna tuck your dick back into your pants not too many people would do this for you but you know um it's it i'm just uh, i'm just helping you out like you're gonna help me out and even at that point in time skinny is talking shit um, and I don't know if DJ hears him talking shit, but Skinny's talking shit while DJ's trying to help him out. Like, who the fuck is you, nigga? Why the fuck is you on my back, nigga? What the fuck? And so this happens. DJ um, yeah, is, is like, yo, visual. DJ is like, hey, let me help you 
to the bathroom to the toilet. He goes and he looks. He looks towards the toilet. He's like skinny. The toilet is this way. He looks towards the toilet and then he looks again and he sees that his mixtape is literally in the fucking toilet. And yep. just the sadness on the face of DJ. And it's not just for me. It wasn't just that his mixtape was in the toilet because that could have happened accidentally for somebody who's drunk. Okay, I could have saw that. But the fact that all of the tape was actually pulled out yeah. of the cassette. That shit means he did that on purpose. Exactly. And then this happens. Toilet paper all over the tape and just the tape is ruined. I mean, it's a cassette tape. It is. <laughs> it was ruined before it started. With tape <laughs> on the side with his name on it. Excuse me, man. Tell me this shit just fell out your pocket, man. Skinny. Hey, bitch. You tell me this shit fell out your pocket, man. Hey, 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 man. Hey, what, man? You know what you can do. Boy, what can I do, man? You tell me what I can do, man. You can suck my dick, bitch. Hey, bitch, I want to suck on this shit, motherfucker. So, DJ stuffs his cassette tape that's been in the toilet into Skinny Black's mouth <laughs> and then starts beating the shit out of Skinny Black. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that, okay, you got him in this one, but it wasn't a fair one because Skinny Black was <laughs> drunk and literally laying on the ground. Oh, well, here's what I didn't realize. Skinny pulled a gun on him. <laughs> like, he pulled a gun on him. He, he took it out of his hand like it was a baby pulling out a fucking toy. <laughs> oh, is that a rattle? Is somebody on the phone for me? Take it, yoink, yoink and just started pistol whipping him with the gun. So now Skinny Black's on the floor. Uh, DJ's scared that he's dead. He's like, Skinny, wake <laughs> up, man. Wake up. Wake up, man. Wake up. And oh, one shit. of Skinny's <laughs> boys come in um, and see Skinny on the ground and starts and draws down on DJ. So DJ shoots Skinny's homeboy and takes him hostage and is like, yo, if any of y'all point your guns at me, man, I'm gonna I'm I'm shoot this man, man. Um, but, but to be fair, he walked in on DJ uh, with a gun standing over a <laughs> bloody ass Skinny Black. So, <laughs> that's so like he probably just assumed the correct thing. Like, yo, did you shoot and or pistol whip Skinny Black? And so. Uh, DJ hops in his car and speeds off, uh, goes home. When he gets to his house, the cops are already there waiting for him. Yep. Cops like, are how the good fuck these fuck. niggas know his, uh, his address? I but don't even know. None of them knew him like that. They even said, I don't know this man. They, they didn't even call him by his name. They didn't know his name was DJ. They called him something else, like the first time that they saw him. Skinny Black did. So they didn't know where he was from. Plus, Skinny Black was drunk on his ass. How'd they know where he lived anyways? Yep. So the police are at the front of his house along with all the niggas from the club, all screaming that they're going to get revenge for Skinny Black. The police arrest DJ. Nola's like, tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. Uh, Key is like, hey man, don't y'all don't need to be choking him out. Suge is crying, um, and they're like, she's pregnant. You gotta, you gotta make sure she's okay and taken care of. Um, and Nola's still like, I don't know what to do. You're gonna help me. I don't know what to do with my life. And um, so DJ's like, here's what you need to do. I want you to take my notebook, and I want to hear my shit when I'm in the yard. I want to hear my shit playing. You're in charge. Say it with me now. I'm in charge. 
marriage because there's a point where after she says I don't have anything to do in my life he's like put your hands on the steering wheel like we talked about you're in charge that's what the hands on the steering wheel means you're in charge that's not what it means it means you're driving but you're in charge so he gets uh, cuffed by the cops his hands are behind his back two cops are holding him and that's when a nigga runs by like the the sidekick in fucking Marvel versus Capcom 1 he comes out of nowhere and just molly whops him I kind of love that though. I was I was I was big on that. That shit Me was too. great. That nigga <laughs> snuck him so smooth. Just ran. <laughs> that shit felt real. I was like, "Yep, that sounds correct." That's pretty much it. So they take him to jail, and I guess this nigga's in jail for like a while because while he's in yeah, jail, he shot somebody. Has a baby. Assault with a deadly weapon and attempted. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, that. he shot but, somebody. He should be in jail for a minute. While he's in jail, Suge has her baby, Keisha. Um, we don't know what happened with Paul and Roger. Um, Key is back to working, uh, doing depots and recording depots and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Shelby is back to loading up vending machines, which we find out is his job. Uh, and the white woman, Nola, has actually gotten it in her head that she's a boss, which is Key's words exactly. I don't know what you said to her, but she thinks she's in charge and she's going to radio stations and getting his music on the air by using his exact words that he told her at the beginning of the movie about how, you know, I'm, I'm a man and you're a man. I'm not talking about man. I'm talking about mankind and getting his stuff on the radio. So DJ is now in jail. They hear Shelby is working, getting a vending machine loaded. They hear uh, whoop that trick come on. Yeah. Or was it it's hard out here for a pimp? No, it's, it's whoop, whoop that, that trick. trick. Whoop that trick comes on. The DJ who is on the radio is like, hey, I heard that you're the one who beat up Skinny Black. So now he's got a name for himself for beating up Skinny Black as well. Because like we said, there's probably a lot of niggas out there, especially a nigga who, what, who's a DJ. Oh, Skinny Black used to be a DJ too. Fuck that nigga, man. That nigga can't rap. So I heard you whoop Skinny Black's ass. Tell me more about it. DJ's in jail. He gets led back to a cell. He's got 11 months left. Mm-hmm. And as he's being led back to a cell, the COs who are leading him back to a cell are like, hey, man, we rap too. Because, yep. you know, uh, we see it on both sides as, as being from the streets and being cops. See, my name is Big Five O. Like, that should not be a rap AKA name. AKA the Rick Ross boys. My, that should never be a rap name. My name should never be Big Five O. But they hand uh, DJ their their demo, and they're like, "Hey, can you um, can you listen to our show? Can you listen to us on the yard um, and let us know what you think?" Yo, their demo was also a tape, right? Yes. What the fuck is up with tapes happening in demos? I just two thousand like we're not. Maybe this movie was like recorded or like filmed in two thousand one. But and them COs not broke broke. I'm sure they got can afford a, a computer in 2005. or know somebody because you just know someone. Like 1995, computers were expensive as hell. And I'm not saying computers weren't expensive in 2005, but they were much more readily available to everyday people. Yeah, <laughs> to the point that you could get a $250 computer at some point. Exactly, and, and what a $2 CDR disc. Yeah. And so what I gleaned from them asking DJ, who would literally just put out two songs on a demo tape on a busted-ass microphone that one of his sex workers slept with an old man for him to get. They don't know all that. They're just like, hey, man, you're where we want to be at. Can you listen to our mixtape and let us know what you think? The only thing that I gleaned from that is that each of us has somebody coming up behind us. And it's mm-hmm. literally up to us whether we want to elevate them or if we want to take them down. 
And yeah. it seemed like DJ was about to take them down because he said the same thing to them that Skinny Black said to him, which is that everybody needs to have a dream. I thought and that's where the movie I thought ends. he was saying that like everybody needs to have a dream in a good way. I don't think he's gonna. I don't. I don't think he's gonna come back to the CL and tell them. Yeah. If he's talking but to he CL, he's gonna get his ass. I don't think he's gonna get a CL on. I don't think you. I don't think you are. You. You're in jail, right? So remember where he is and what's happening. He's mm-hmm. in jail. These niggas are the COs. I don't that's, think he's trying to encourage these motherfuckers to be great. Like niggas, that's all the CO. more reason. That's all the more. Listen, for sure. It is all the watch. more reason. It is all the yes. more reason to get in good with them. But if you do yes. that, <laughs> just like they said in Oz, if you get in yes, good with them, they're gonna beat your ass. <laughs> The, the 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 inmates are gonna beat your ass yeah, for being too to... close to the fucking CO. Rashani and I watch eyes. Let me tell you something, man. If I can get some COs on my side and they can take some people out to the back room for me or sneak some tits in for me is what they call it on eyes. Yeah, you know I can pass your CD. But here's the thing. Here's the funny part about that. This nigga got big while he was in jail. He don't know nobody. He don't got no record <laughs> deal. He don't know no. Exactly. He don't know anybody. His shit just popping. But he. Like he's gonna be also, a cult nigga when he comes out. Like when can he comes you have out, a tape? Can you have a tape player in jail? Like, does he have a Walkman? Like, what? Yeah, how I feel is he like you can have one. Tape? You can have you can have a boombox in jail. Yeah, you can have a tape player in jail. A literal boombox, and I feel like in Memphis in two thousand five, niggas probably did have boomboxes. I'm just trying to figure out where all these tapes are coming from. Here's the thing: though, Memphis when, in when DJ when DJ come out of jail, he gonna be the shit in Memphis. He is like that's because that's like his the name perfect is only story. building. His name is because, only building. His stock yes. is going up rather while he's in jail. Yes, because yes. they haven't even put out it's hard out here for a pimp yet. Yeah. Yes, but MVP of the movie, Jay. Who you got? Oh, it's Raji P. Henson. Okay, I got. I got. Okay, what about you, Brandon? Oh, I mean, it's Terrence Howard for me. It's, the have, movie's all about him. I have a tri triumvirate of MVPs for this movie. Uh, Taraji P. Henson, uh, Shelby, DJ Quarles, and the niggas who actually wrote the music. Yeah. So Project Pack, Juicy J, Al Capone. Yo, Al Capone wrote Whoop That Trick. That song goes. And, and still, to this day, if I'm like, I gotta get amped up for a performance or do something. I can listen to that song for about two minutes because I have it on my phone. I can listen to that song for about two minutes and then I'm ready to go. Yep. It's 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 at the level of amp that's hard like uh hard in the paint. It's it's that level of like yo, I I need I just it's just immediate energy. That shit is amazing. I love that song so much and and I'm I'm happy that I don't love I don't love this movie as much. But the fact that this song came out of it uh, means I will never truly hate this movie as much as I could. Yeah. So I ain't gonna we're uh, not gonna do the whole who could do this better. Uh, the thing that aged well in this movie is quite honestly the white woman uh, wanting to be involved with everything black <laughs> folks are doing. The music I feel like aged well too. Like that shit still goes. It, oh it's, yeah. It's so far. Like, I mean, let's come back in like 20 years and see if we still into it. But right now, that shit still goes. And I mean, it's been 15 since that came out. Mm-hmm. Also, nobody else could do this except Terrence Howard. So there's that. I could see Don Cheadle doing this really well. He's he's really good at replacing Terrence Howard. <laughs> So, Jay, uh, you want to tell them again where they can find your show at? 
Um, Frowntown, you can follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Frowntown Pod. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adjective underscore J. You can follow my co-host at VChatty, uh, both on Twitter and Instagram. That's V-E-E-C-H-A-T-T-I-E. Um, check us out. We are pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, search for Frowntown. I guarantee you'll find us. Uh, come check us out. And Brandon, you got anything? Nothing. Enjoyed this movie. Looking forward to 80s, 80s movies. Yep. Next up is 80s month. And then after that, uh, we're going to figure out a new format. I think I have one in mind. Well, Brandon and I will discuss it later on. Uh, but for Adjective J and Brandon, I'm Derek. Thank you all so much for checking us out. We greatly appreciate it. Please listen or uh, leave a five-star review wherever you check out podcasts at. If the place you listen to podcasts at does not allow five-star review, just go to Apple. Um, for, again, Adjective J and Brandon, I'm Derek. Thank you all so much for listening. Y'all be good. Peace. for hindsight is coffee by cambo smith and it's from the free music archive this is single simulcast